by the rivers of Babylon, where we went down, and there we wept when we remembered Zion by the rivers of Babylon, where we song how can we sing our holy song in a strange land for the wicked carry us away captivity required from us a song how can we sing our holy song in a strange land so let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. By the rivers of Babylon, where we went down, and there we wept, when we remembered Artie to slowly turn up the lights if you want to close your eyes to get used to the light coming up. We don't plan the music according to what I want to talk about, and then it's exactly what I want to talk about. It's perfect. Although I have to say that um, that song by the Rivers of Babylon is so much about this time of year, um, because the three weeks that lead up to this Monday, um, which is Tisha B'Av, or the ninth of Ab, are actually three weeks of mourning. And uh, they really recognize the fact that for, um, for 2,000 years, Jews cried out and wept because of the loss of being close to Israel and living there. Um, and these are the three weeks uh, that commemorate between the 17th of Tammuz when the um, Romans breached the walls in Jerusalem all the way to Tisha B'Av, which is um, this Monday night and Tuesday, this time of mourning when um, the first and the temple, second temple were destroyed. Um, and there's a lot of other 
very tragic, unfortunate events that get lumped onto Tisha B'Av. Uh, the Crusades, the destruction of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. Um, so uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with uh, Judith Vior's children's book, The Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> Remember that? That's this Tuesday for the Jewish people. <laughs> now, there's a story about um, the moment in 1967 when um, the Israeli army finally uh, liberated the old city and the soldiers were standing at the Western Wall and weeping and weeping and there are two um, soldiers, secular soldiers, Israeli soldiers standing at the wall and they're looking at everyone weeping and crying um, in jubilation at finally being able to stand at the wall again and they're not crying and they don't know why everybody's crying and finally one of them bursts out into tears and his comrade says, well now why are you crying? And he says, I'm crying now because I don't know why everybody is crying. That we have somehow lost that connection. And it's true, it's not as relevant Tisha B'Av because there's plenty of other days of mourning, of sadness. It's not as if we actually need just one. Um, but uh, I will say that this past month of that three weeks, in some ways the time has gone like this, and in other ways, um, for me personally, the time has really spread out. The time of joy felt like this, when the Supreme Court overturned DOMA and Prop 8. That was unbelievable. And we had an incredible Pride Shabbat, and it was filled with jubilation, and many couples who came forward and said, now we can get married. And that was like an incredible moment for our congregation. And um, that Friday night we had Pride Shabbat and we invited all these couple up to say Shechianu for being able to get married um, and just receive the same rights as everybody else in this country. And then we, we marched in the Pride Parade and um, it was a very jubilant time. And then we move in Jewish time to um, this time of mourning and on Monday, we're supposed to read from the Book of Lamentations. And just to let you know how um, the music is supposed to be evocative, I was going to ask Marcia if she wouldn't mind to just chant um, a verse or two from Lamentations, which is written by um, the prophet Jeremiah um, about this idea of being bereft, of being close to Jerusalem. <laughs> Batiam Haita Kealmana Rabati Vaguim Sayati Pamdinod Haita Lamas Mournful really reflective of these three weeks in traditional Judaism. The Jewish sages point out the similarity of the first word echa, um, how, and the word ayeka in the Genesis story, which is the question that God poses to Adam and Eve about where are you? And the similarity they point out to is a time when people let the world become a place where we don't embody God. We don't bring God into the world. So. Last Wednesday, I would also say, was a Judith Viorst, um terrible, horrible, very bad, no good, tragic day. Last Wednesday, my extended family, the Jewish community, and the world lost a beautiful, young, hopeful light who was the embodiment of life and love and hope. 
My partner, Justine's 21-year-old cousin, Ani East Rittenberg, was killed on Wednesday at Camp Tawanga by a falling tree. So I just wanted to take a moment this Shabbat to tell you about Anais. Marsha and I sadly officiated at her memorial service where there were almost 600 people, 200 of whom I would say were between the ages of 18 and 20. In 21 years, I think Anais taught more people with the way she lived her life than I have in the past 46. In 21 years, she lived more life than many people ever will. She took deep breaths, tremendous bites, and she lived as large as she possibly could. She traveled the world, she lived with a powerful intention, and she knew herself and her soul in a way unlike almost any 21-year-old I've ever come across. She cared for the earth and all of its inhabitants with a compassion and a passion that I am certain would have translated into a better future for our fragile earth. She studied environmental education at Santa Cruz, worked with orphan animals in South Africa's game reserves. A week before she died, I was with her, and the next day she climbed the highest peak clouds rest in Yosemite. And she was a powerful force in every community that she touched at 21 years old. What was powerful about her was that she already was comfortable with herself, with her love, her power, her passion, and she was pretty much unapologetic about everything she did in the world. There are no words to describe the grief and the sorrow at the loss of someone who's 21, and as I look out at you, I know some of you are just a few years older than that. And there have been many stories you might have read about in the news or in social media, but for me as a rabbi and as a Jew, I've been grappling with questions that people who are 19 have posed to me and things that have been erupting out of my own soul, such as how can we believe in a God when something like this happens in the face of a tragedy. And then the question, was it a tragedy? If we call her death a tragedy, is that only functioning to focus on the loss, not on her life, which was anything but tragic? If each of us is only here for a moment in time, if we're only a grain of sand, a grain of sand here on the earth, how can we be sure that at every single moment we are living authentically? So many of her friends and families focused on the fact that in that short, compact period of time, she lived more than some people live in a whole lifetime. And so if you, or me, if we look at our own lives up to this point, no matter how old you are, can you say that? You've been living a meaningful life. At her memorial service, those 200 young people were singing, they were weeping and laughing, they were hugging, they were even dancing. And I wondered, how can we share with young people, with kids, with teenagers, with young adults, the reality of both life and death? How can we use our Judaism to teach our children that death is as natural as life? When I spoke to many of her friends, um, they asked me, how do you go forward from here with that huge hole in our hearts? And I believe that Anais would have wanted us to focus on her life, not her death that in fact we should be open to the reality that even though many of us are scared of death, that death might not be an ending, but it might be a point on a journey that we continue on to. In Judaism, there's such an idea of the immortality of the soul. And just as we have no idea, no consciousness of what occurs before we're born, I mean, unless somebody here can tell me what that is, we don't know what that's like before we're born. So then, whatever the possibility is, we were here before Judaism says the immortality of the soul means the soul is here again and again. 
coming back in different ways. Anis was a lover of nature and she died in that place, a place where she loved and was loved. John Muir wrote, earth hath no sorrows that earth cannot heal. The earth as seen in the clean wilds of the mountains is as divine as anything the heart of man can conceive. And one of Anais's closest friends shared this poem that she said inspired her, that Anais shared with her many times and made her think of Anais's life. It's by Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As if we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. What I encouraged every single person to do is to take whatever that piece of Anais's spirit was into the world and live life a little bit more in an inspired way. You never know in what way that energy might come through you in your own life. And I wondered, really, in the few days since she has passed into another place, how would that manifest in me? She really thought that we were messing up this planet. And she was really honest. She told her parents, you're just using the planet. She told her dad his next birthday, he was getting a compost whether he liked it or not. <laughs> and so this morning, I was on my way to synagogue at about nine in the morning. And a man in front of me flicked a cigarette butt out of his car onto the ground. And it was still lit. And the light turned red in front of us. And I thought to myself, what I would usually do is I would say, damn it, these San Franciscans are so disgusting, they're so entitled and thoughtless. And then I would take that with me the rest of the day and I would be angry at different moments because I would think about that. And then I thought, that's not what Anais would do. So I opened my car door at the red light and I got out and I looked around and I found the smoking cigarette butt. And I walked over to the car <laughs> and I leaned on the window and I said, excuse me, do you live here? And the man looked at me and he was shocked, like, who's this little woman in a giant's cap and aviator glasses in my car? He was driving with his eight or nine-year-old son. And he said, yes, I do. And I said, I live here too. And this city is not a garbage can. So please don't throw your garbage onto the ground. And I handed him the still smoking cigarette butt. And the two of them, their jaws dropped. And I thought, wow, I wonder if this dad will ever do this again in front of his son. And then I just turned around and I got into my car and I drove here. And it felt amazing. It felt really different than carrying around that shitty feeling of people being entitled and feeling awful about my day. It felt so liberating. And I thought, wow, if that little, that little 
feeling of being authentic and not making myself smaller because I was afraid to go and, and I didn't do it in a malicious way. I just said it in a way that was just open to the possibility that maybe I was crazy and that wasn't his cigarette butt. But it was the truth. And it made me feel a lot better. And it made me feel like Anis is here. This Monday night, we will lament and we will dream and hope. Because Tisha B'Av is a day of mourning, and it's also, unbelievably, supposed to be the birthday of the Messiah. It's a night when we look behind us into the darkness over 4,000 years of loss and devastation for the people of Israel, and we also look ahead and know that at some point in the future, on Tisha B'Av, the Messiah will be born. Now, I don't think it's the actual birthday of a human being from the lineage of King David, but I think that Tisha B'Av can be the possibility that we all wake up and begin to live each day as if it might be our last one, whether we're 21 or 40 or 80. We will live with a passion and integrity that we're proud of. We will not take for granted one breath. We will teach others what we have learned. We will inspire our children, and we will live with and by a Torah that says, kol techa shalom, all her paths are peace. Judaism teaches us the powerful lesson that one day in Av commemorates both destruction and peace and hope. And that's the same thing as life. We have the responsibility and the challenge to live in a world and in our own lives where there's brokenness and grief in the same space and time as there's love and possibility and hope. It's in our hands and in our hearts to make all of that real simultaneously. So this Monday night, whatever you're doing, take a moment for mourning and take a moment for dreaming. Hannah Senesch wrote, there are stars whose radiance is visible on earth, though they have long been extinct. There are people whose brilliance continues to light the world even though they are no longer among the living. These lights are particularly bright when the night is dark. They light the way for all of humankind. Shabbat Shalom.